Arizona, Colorado, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Tennessee, and Virginia. WinBet is now live in all these states, and the excitement of Win Las Vegas has finally landed in online sports betting and casino play. From boosted parlays to live in-game offs on every major sport, WinBet gives you the tools to win. Sign up today for your risk-free $1,000 sports bet. Download the WinBet app right now or visit wynnbet.com to start winning. Well, hello there. Happy uh, well, happy Wednesday. I'm taping it Tuesday night. Happy Wednesday. I never know what I'm doing this podcast anymore. Aaron Quinn, cover one. I'm not going to waste a lot of time here at the top. I wish I could have this dude on every week. One of my favorite people to talk to. Not just football, all kinds of shit, man. And you got me into something. We'll talk about that in a second. But what's going on, buddy, man? How you doing? Living the dream, man. The weather's getting worse. But that means it's close to Christmas time. I hate it. I know you do. <laughs> I know you do. You know what? Today stunk. Today in Buffalo, it's uh, it's Monday. People listen to this. I don't know when people are going to be listening to this, but it's Monday uh, evening in Buffalo or Tuesday evening now. Tuesday. In all they're all the same. You know what? It gets to be this time of year with the weather. We're all the same. <sighs> Dude, everywhere. it was like it was snowing this morning. I had to walk my kids to school in the snow, and then it was like heavy rain snow later on. It, it's nasty. Here's my thing. This shouldn't be considered fall still technically fall shouldn't right. be I i'll give you that shouldn't be this is winter i'll give you that it, it is winter i don't care what the calendar says or or what the uh official rules are look man i i gotta i'm gonna be honest with you and i know you know this is talk buffalo podcast i'm from buffalo born and raised in buffalo lived five years obviously in florida just came back a handful of months ago probably shouldn't say this if i'm trying to score brownie points with my hometown community but honestly do i got a love-hate relationship right now with with this region I really do. Because of the weather? Or? The weather bothers me. Um, lots of things bother me. <laughs> I'm not, certainly not going to get into any kind of political or societal conversation about right. it. It's just, I don't know. It's different. I'm not saying it's better. I'm not saying it's worse. It's just different. I hate the weather, though. I, I'll tell you that right now. I'm, I'm struggling with the weather. I'm struggling with, I just hate being cold. I mean, look, I never liked being cold in Florida. It made me soft. And I'm not afraid to admit that. I'm softer than ever right now like this shit probably ain't bothering many people when it's 40 42 degrees i was like i'm freezing man i don't like it i don't like it i do like christmas though i am in the christmas spirit finally welcome to the christmas spirit well we talked about this too strict man you got to get rid of that christmas started the day after thanksgiving for me (laughs) it started the day after thanksgiving for me but yeah man i'm all in i'm excited about that and i've talked about this before in florida we never had christmas season because we came up here every year for Christmas, like two, three days before Christmas. So for me, Christmas season started when I got to Buffalo, like December 22nd or whatever, every year. Right. This year's different. Got an apartment here, went all out, got a tree. I've spent a couple hundred bucks. Did you bucks get a real tree? Did you get a Got a real tree. tree. Got a all real right. tree. I got Where'd a you real get tree. Um, at a lot on Abbott Road. I don't I don't remember cool. the name of the lot, but it wasn't one of those corporate places. It was nice, man. It was nice. fun, too, to get the tree. Didn't take long. <laughs> it took like maybe five minutes. I said, oh, take that tree. Yeah. Didn't shop around. It was cold, so I didn't want a banner with the guy. He said 80 bucks. I said, all right. Deal. It was too cold, yeah. the banner. I even gave him a $10 tip because, you know, he tied it to the tree and all that shit. But, yeah, man, I went to Target and Walmart. I bought in lights. I bought ornaments because we lost a lot of our shit. So, then again, I haven't needed it for five years. I don't even know where right. most of it is. So, I went out and bought ornaments and lights. Uh, my, my kid Shane went to Target the other night. He bought a, a one of those lit-up reindeers for the front lawn and a... Yep. I don't know. Well, something with Star Wars. I think it's stupid, but whatever. He likes it. And it's yeah. it's on the grant that the porch has lights on it. So yeah, man, I'm all in it for the for the spirit of Christmas. And again, after Thanksgiving, it's officially Christmas season now. So content wise, I disagree entirely. I think if you're gonna really uh consume all the content there is, music, movies, mm-hmm gotta go before thanksgiving there's just too much of it in my opinion for me i don't have the time to watch every single day so i gotta get a head start on that stuff but for the de- average person like you you're right decorating wise i agree with you we go uh family tradition the day after thanksgiving we go get our tree we go up to timbers uh up in lockport really mm-hmm. cool place freezing cold this weekend freezing our butts off walk the entire lot found the perfect tree 
um a big fan of doing that and then again the again the lights up on the house all that stuff happens after thanksgiving but consuming the content man in my opinion there's too much good christmas content to wait until after because then you only got the 20 whatever 30 something days 28 days or something like that right after thanksgiving it's a fair point now i had you on the show november 2nd i just looked it up i remember having this conversation with you and i didn't agree with you and I still sort of don't agree with you when it comes to the content. To me, I just, I couldn't get into watching Christmas movies or listening to Christmas music before Thanksgiving was over. Now, I work from home, my regular job during the day, and I have like a home office and I don't get bothered by my boss. I know what, you know, I just got work and I got to do it. Right. So I sit here and bang out Christmas movies. And I remember you talking about Christmas movies on the last time you were on the show. And it's like, I never realized that other than like the biggest classics, you know, like the... National Lampoon's uh, Christmas Vacation and the sure. Home Alone Christmas and Story. Christmas Story and, you know, um, all that other shit. I, I really yeah. haven't seen most movies. So I made a concerted effort starting literally actually on Monday to watch as many movies as I can. And I talked to you about a couple of them. I've watched. So I started on Monday and we're taping this Tuesday night. I've watched five Christmas movies now in the last 36 hours. And I'm on my six as I actually paused this so we could tape the show. I've seen. The Christmas Chronicles 1 and 2. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've seen Claws now, which is a Netflix original from like 2019. Uh, I've seen The Night Before with Seth Rogen and you know a bunch of his friends. Yep. That I was seeing me in those movies. I've seen uh, The Holiday with Kate yep. Winslet. Matt Marino's wife recommended I watch that. So I, I did. Okay. And now I'm That's watching okay. The Ref. I, I don't have an opinion on The Ref because I'm just about 15 minutes in now. Uh, let me say this, and I want to get your Fred Claus. Have you done Fred Claus? I know you haven't done it. I have not done Fred Claus yet. That will be on the list. I'm point. telling you right now, Aaron, on average, I mean, some days will be more than others. On average, I'm going to watch two to three movies a day. I'm going to awesome. tell you that right now. So awesome. by the time Christmas comes, I'll have a good 25, 30 of these movies. A couple of years ago, when my first son was born, I think his he was two, I went nuts and did what you're doing. And I watched every single Christmas movie on Netflix, Hulu. I downloaded every streaming app and I just consumed every possible Christmas movie. It's fun. It is fun. It It is is fun. I'm enjoying it. I'm not going to lie. And you know, part of this happened a couple of years. And by the way, for everyone listening, we're going to talk bills and NFL in a couple of minutes. You you know how talking Buffalo podcast works. It's just the way it is, man. But anyway, part of the fun of being behind everyone else when it comes to things like say the Marvel movies, for an example, or yeah, Disney, I'm way behind on those. or Disney movies, yeah. all everyone saw all these movies that I didn't, so I got to enjoy all these for the first time. You know what yeah. I mean? So all these movies now that you know, I'm I'm experiencing them for the first time, and it's cool, man. It's been good so far. All right, Christmas Chronicles one, I loved it. Oh, I awesome. loved it. Now you recommended that. I, I watched it on the recommend recommendation to you. I thought it was really good. Kurt Russell is good. It, it was a good story cheesy the way it's supposed to it be. was a good it rendition a of the story of santa claus and how santa claus interacts yep that building that world uh the, the santa claus with tim allen i felt like that was in its day was a revolutionary idea of like how to seen it oh but you're killing me <laughs> i haven't seen it that's a good one too and it just it breaks down a different way of how santa claus is because the, the beauty of christmas my kid he's five and we don't have a uh, chimney in, in our house. We have like a one that comes up, but we don't have a fireplace right. or anything. So right. he's been asking, he's like, how's Santa get in here? What's the deal? And there's just this magic of Christmas when you're a kid and how does it all work? Mm-hmm. And when these movies can build a world where it all works, I think Christmas Chronicles builds that world. And the first ep- the first uh, Christmas Chronicles builds it in such a cool, almost Harry Potter magical way. Uh, that I, I don't know that anyone's ever touched what they've been able to do. And as soon as I saw that movie, for me, that hopped right up into Christmas classics for me. And I think maybe in my top 10. Yeah, I agree. I Well, I haven't watched that many to have the bar yet, but I'll tell you this. I liked it a lot. It's the kind of movie you could watch with your wife. It's the kind of movie you could watch with your teenage kid. It's the kind of movie you could watch with your young kid. I, I liked it a lot. Um, Christmas Chronicles 2, I thought was kind of like almost like a money grab. I, I, I didn't yeah. I didn't like much about it. At I all. think there was a lot of pressure to make another one. Yeah. And I it, get it seemed rushed. Yeah. yeah. Not a good sequel. If I ever have, if I ever power rank shitty sequels that, that might make the list somewhere. Yeah. Uh, the night before was Seth Rogen. <laughs> hilarious. <laughs> it, it was, it was what I expected it to be, man. I expected it to be 
funny and stupid and sophomoric, mm-hmm. and that's exactly what it was. I will say this though: the 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 scene at the church where he's on all those drugs and he pukes, and it's like, what do you say? How you learn? How you learn? That was funny. The Nutcracker Party, you know, trying to get into that was pretty fun. Miley Miley Cyrus, she was a little bit cringy. That you know, with the proposal yeah. scene where he's singing, that was kind of like. Eh. I don't know, it, but it was, it was but, what I expected it to be, man. It wasn't a classic by any means, but it was a typical Seth Rogen, make you laugh. And for me, that's a must. I put that one on Christmas Eve after the kids are in bed, the wife and I watch it. Cause it's super inappropriate. Yeah. Yeah. yeah you can't watch that no one. Kid watching that shit. <laughs> no, <man>. uh, <laughs> but it makes me laugh every time. And it's a, actually, I think it's a really cool version of that. Like Scrooge story that a classic mm-hmm. Charles did. Cause they kind of build that in through the story. Uh, as well so it still stays on the christmas theme and remains funny to me it's a it's not it's hard because it's not a top 10 it's not like all the other christmas movies but it's a must watch for me every christmas eve now have you watched the holiday before yes okay i again matt Perino's wife told me i needed to watch it so i did and i i trust her i'll say this it was all right it's okay. it was it was okay it was it was an it was a nice ending. I think first of all, by the way, Christmas movies. My rule of thumb: you better have a happy ending. You yeah. know, you, there's no drama in Christmas movies at the end anyway. It's got to end happy. It was a nice ending. It was a sweet ending. It's yes. pretty good cast. I'm not even a big Cameron Diaz fan, but I I, I kind of liked her in this movie a little bit. She was fine. But that said, my, I had two beasts with that movie. A two hours and. 14 minutes or something is too long, too long. for a Christmas movie long. For, yeah. for, for, for a rom-com. And that's exactly what right. it was. And you know how it's going. You right. know where that story's going. Right. And look, as somebody who grew up a wrestling fan and, and has been trained and learned my whole life how to suspend belief, dude, there is no universe on the face of this earth where Jack Black's ever going to end up with Kate Winslet. <laughs> ever. It ain't ever happening. It's never going to happen. So yeah. I just, I, I don't like Jack Black, by the way. Really? I think yeah, he's, I do. I, dude, I think he's the most unfunny I'm a big Tenacious D fan. You don't like Tenacious D? No, I don't. I don't like anything. I don't think Jack Black has ever made a movie or any skit or anything that I think is funny. His movies aren't great. I don't like his movies, but uh, I love Tenacious D. Yeah, I'm a big Yeah. All right. Well, fair enough. I I would say that was like a C plus. It was like a C plus. It's it's a next tier down. I I, somewhere I have a sheet of tiered Christmas movies and it's on the second sheet. Kind of in that middle. All right. Well, this is the last one and I'm interested in your take on this because this was my personal favorite. And that was Klaus, mm-hmm. yeah, which is I think animated. It's Klaus. Klaus, 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 Klaus. You're right. You're, it's yeah. Klaus. Yeah, you're right. Yep. And it that was like it's new too. It only came out in yeah. 2019. Yeah. And again, it's on Netflix and it's an animated one. It's about it. It's a take, a, a creative and an innovative take. I think on like the origins of Christmas and how mm-hmm. it started. I yeah. really, really liked it a lot, man. It was. It gave you other feels. You know what I mean? It was it was really, really good. I was entertained throughout. Now, that movie ran a little bit long, too. Not quite. It wasn't two hours. It does, but it keeps minutes. you. But, right. But it was worth the time. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, I would rewatch that again. If it wasn't for the fact that I'm going to try to get to, like, 25, 30 movies over the next month or so, I would definitely want to rewatch that again. I gave that a solid, like, A or A- minus at worst. To me, that was probably the best of the five I've seen so far. Like, what was your take on on that? For me, so for me, it's right there. So I think I saw it maybe the same year Christmas Chronicles came out. I don't know if they came out in the same year or not. Uh, they were close. One year difference. There was a one year difference. So um, it's up there for me. It's in my top 10 as well. So two newer movies uh, entered my top 10. I'm not going to lie, dude. I cried the first time I watched it. Not a lot, a little bit, just a little bit when uh, I don't want to spoil anything, but when Klaus, the wind disappears and he Uh goes with his wife to be with his wife. Got me. God, that one got me right in the feels. Uh, It's got everything. It's funny. Uh, Norm McDonald, my favorite comedian of all time. I recognize his voice right away. I didn't didn't look at the credits. I didn't know who any of the people were. Totally recognizable. I recognize that voice immediately. Yeah, it's just a really cool story, like you said. And it is a little long, but I think that you need to build up the story the way they do and explain who the guy is, why he's there, that town, and like really get that story. Because if you jump through that, how the town operates and everything like that, you miss the whole point. Yeah. of the story and so it's great it's the one i probably look forward to the most to sit down with the whole family 
and watch because it's such a feel good uh, yeah. uh, story. And it's just the animation's beautiful too. I don't love animated stuff all that much, but it's gorgeous. Uh, the way they did it's different. It's not CGI, 3D animated. It's a really cool, pretty animation. It's just a really cool story. If you haven't seen it, anyone listening, absolutely, it's worth your time. For me, it's a top 10. Emphasize the word story too, because it is a legitimately good mm-hmm story does a really good job of of storytelling Mm -hmm. i'll tell you what so this is dropping november or not november december 1st i want to have you out again one more time sometime before christmas yeah and i don't even want to talk bills we're gonna have like a talk about podcast christmas episode and by the time i talk to you again i'll probably have 15 more movies let's do it maybe we'll go through them we'll do a a Christmas. Well, I'm doing a Christmas Power movie rankings. draft with Joe Joe Yernan on Friday show. But why yeah, do you keep well, drafting with him? You lose almost lot. every I time. I lose a lot. I lose a lot. You do <laughs> because I can't help myself. I yeah. know what plays well with the audience, but I just can't help myself. Every yeah. week, there's one or two picks that I always make that I know they're going to end up holding shitty. But I feel like I I can't look myself in the mirror if I skip out on something. Uh, that I really like. One last thing too, by the way. Then we'll take a quick break. Then we're going to talk Bill's NFL. Thriller. I, I, I tweeted about this today. We're taping yeah. this. So as we tape this on Tuesday, the 30th of November, Thriller dropped 39 years ago on this date. Two things, man. Number one, that really makes me feel old. You it's, are old. It, it really, I am old. I'm, I'm okay with it. I remember it coming out. I remember yeah. that era. I'm old enough. I remember, I mean, I was still in grammar school, but I remember... That that album changed me, man. It changed mm-hmm. my attitude. It changed my 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 gear. I started wanting to look like Michael Jackson, as fucked up as that sounds. But laptop, at least clothes wise, you know, with the right. leather leather jacket and the, He's and the cool, black man. pants. Yeah, he was cool as hell. To me, that was the greatest album of all time. And then I I tweeted that, and I think some people agreed. And some somebody called it an overrated, most overrated album of all time, and said it wasn't even his best album. That's, oh, that's silly. That's not, ridiculous. Uh, yeah. Look, Off the Wall was good. Yeah. But Thriller, dude, seven hits. There were nine songs on the album, and seven of them were smashed. The title tracks, I tweeted it too. The title tracks, maybe one of the bottom three yeah. songs on that. I agree. Look, Billie Jean beat it. Uh, I'm not even looking at it. I, I know they all buy PYT. Want to be starting something? Human Nature is a good song. I love criminally Martin, underrated Human Nature. And then uh, he did a which one was it with? Want to be starting something? Oh, yeah. uh, uh, the, Girl is a, Mine. The Girl's Mine. Yeah, man, dude, that's a good that, song. Seven amazing songs. The Lady on a in My Life. Album. Lady in My Life's a great song. Yeah, that's just an unbelievable album. So and people that like the influence that album had on the rest of music, hip hop, R and B incredible sure. if you sure. go if i'm a big hip-hop fan and samples you find little bits and pieces of thriller all over the place man i agree with you i think it's the bible of albums i've never purchased an album more times than i've bought thriller like i've had cds that scratch and i'll immediately go get now i don't buy <laughs> cds and stuff anymore but like in my 20s so the album came out 82 right um i was yeah. born in 84 so i'm not even uh, it was out before I was, but that album defining for me throughout my teenage years into my twenties, like it was always in my car, always in my CD case. Like it, it really is just the standard. It's the gold standard, in my opinion, if you like R and B slash pop music. As you, as somebody who, uh, who grew up in the eighties and became a teenager in the eighties with the high school in the late eighties, it's the most defining thing of the entire decade to me. Like there's so many fashions and music and, and movies and stuff like that. But when I say eighties, I think of eighties. I mainly think of Michael Jackson in the late eighties, the bad album, but in, especially in the early to mid eighties, just thriller. Absolutely. Me, it's the best man. It really is. He really is the King, not just he the is. pop. He, I think he's the best entertainer musician ever. And that's his best album. So if that's the best album of the best of the best ever, then it's got to be the best album. Ever. I understand why some, I don't agree with it, but I understand why some people hate him and just are never going to give him credit. Just like some people are never going to give our Kelly credit for being, you know, an iconic R&B singer, or they're right. never going to give OJ Simpson credit although, for being one of the best running backs uh, ever. I get although it. Although those guys, a little, Michael Jackson's never been convicted True. of anything he's been accused of. 
people have tried. People have tried to to, to slap that onto him. He's never even been uh, dealt with in a civil suit. I don't believe or, or found guilty in any type of civil suit. I think there was a lot of trashing of him. He's a weird dude. I'll give everybody that. Some of the stuff he did was probably uh, inappropriate optics or whatever. But here's the thing, man. I don't listen to mute, but just like football players, man, I don't watch football for morals and uh, my guiding principles in life. And I don't listen to musicians for the same. I listen to rap music, man. If I was listening <laughs> to like, come on, like these people are, I'm not looking to them for, for my morals and stuff. But if you throw some MJ on, dude, my toes are tapping. I'm getting going. My whole mood changes. I love anything MJ, even the bad ones. You throw Michael Jackson on my stereo, dude, my mood changes. I love it. Good luck being at a bar or a club or wherever and, and having Billie Jean come on and the whole bar's not dancing you yeah. know, or the whole club's not dancing. Good luck. Absolutely. That, that shit ain't happening. All right, we're going to take a really quick break. More on the other side. Aaron Quinn, cover one. We're going to talk some Buffalo Bills. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. All right, back with Aaron. That was fun. I like talking Christmas and movies and and Michael. Before we get into Bills, because you brought up Michael, I've seen a couple female vocalists. I know you like female vocalists, R&B vocalists. I'm sick of the disrespect to Janet. We can have another conversation about this at some point, but Janet not being on these lists, even with Beyonce over Janet, I'm not having it. We did a draft last week. Joe Yurden and I was best female vocalist of the last 40 years, and neither of us drafted Janet. So I know it's that wouldn't make you happy. <laughs> ridiculous. She's All so right. talented. All right, let's she keep is. going. She's good. Well, I, I guess I want to start here. With the Trey White injury, Let me. I'm just going to ask you this straight up. Do you think Brandon Bean deserves criticism right now for standing pat this year at the trade deadline because of what might have happened or what could have happened to Trey White and ultimately did? You look at this team, and it wasn't like they were uh, rock solid the week before. the. I mean, now they played Jacksonville after the trade deadline. I think things might have been different had that game happened before. But he decided to stand pat. And sometimes maybe a general manager spends so much of their focus worried about the future that they don't see what's in front of them. And I I feel like the Bills lack depth at a couple positions, and corner was one of them. So we'll start there. Do you think he deserves criticism right now? Like if I'm not necessarily doing it, but if I were to sit here and levy a lot of criticism to Brandon Bean, do you think he deserves it? This one's tough for me, Pat, because I don't know that he stood Pat, right? I don't know that what conversations he was having. It takes two to make a trade. I, I believe very firmly that Brandon Bean was looking into things. I think it, he was making calls into the a lot of the names that you would suspect would be on the trade dead or tr- on the trade block, things like that. Not a lot of trades happened in the league, right? Just a handful of trades, and there were big ones we heard of. And if you look at those teams, what have those trades done? Von Miller getting traded to the Rams. The Rams haven't won a game since they got Von Miller. So right. mid-season football trades, it sounds sexy. It's a ton of fun to talk about. This isn't the NBA. 
right? This isn't the NHL. These things don't happen very often. And when they do, there isn't a ton of historical uh, indicators that show that that turns into success for teams. Now, uh, at that time, at the trade deadline, I heard almost nobody talking about cornerback at that point. We all felt pretty good. Levi's having a good year. Taron Johnson's having an uh, all pro caliber season and Trey was playing well. And not that uh, I think there's probably people concerned about that. Well, what if a Trey White goes down or what if Levi, you know, and Dane has to come in and play? There's some of those uh, conversations that we we're having, but I don't think anyone expected it to happen. All the conversations were around off interior offensive line that I was hearing from people, which I do agree. I think that's probably the other position besides cornerback that doesn't have a lot of depth. But if you look league wide, I don't think any teams have a lot of depth at interior offensive line or cornerback. Like I think every team's trying to get more of that uh, for themselves as well. So it's hard for me to sit there and, and put a lot of blame on Bean, not knowing what phone calls he made uh, and, and what types of conversations he was having to address those things. And hindsight's twenty twenty, right? Like now that Trey White's hurt and now for the year, of course we're all going to feel panicked because. And here's the thing, Pat. There wasn't. There's not a guy that they were going to bring in through trade or whatever that's going to replace Trey White and the right. impact that Trey Fair. White has on this defense. And so you're going to have a drop off, really, no matter what. I think um, you made a point earlier uh, this week that maybe some fair criticism could be on the lack of bringing in more in the off season, right? Yeah. Uh, not that he's worked out particularly well for Tampa, but uh, Richard Sherman was a guy that I was pounding on the table for. There's a few names that were out there uh, that were um, veteran Steven, available. Steven Nelson was a Steven very Nelson was name. another one. Yes. Uh, some guys like that. So I think maybe there's some fair criticism there, but then you saw how well Levi Wallace played and what we were wanting was not a replacement for if Trey gets hurt, but depth for cornerback two and push some of that depth down. Uh, but then you saw how well Levi's playing and I, you know, I've stand for, Levi here on Twitter and uh but he's had a really good year he's actually exceeded my expectations I'm not sure how he's gonna play going forward having to take on that cornerback one role but as a cornerback two I think he's above average and more than uh holding his own there so it's tough man um you hate to see a Trey White go down but nobody's gonna replace that void I, I don't think that there's anyone out there and we don't know what Dane Jackson is I do I believe Brandon Bean and Sean McDermott when they talk about the confidence that they have in Dane Jackson this summer, Brandon Bean said that he thought Dane Jackson was going to be a great player. I don't know that he's thrown that out. So willy nilly before I know that they've talked about their players in positive lights. And then uh, McDermott came out and said today, you know that they are confident in him. So now's the time to find out what you got in Dane Jackson, right? He couldn't beat out Levi, but I think this summer people thought, Hey, he can't beat out Levi. Levi sucks. Man, Dane Jackson must really suck. But now you're seeing, okay, he couldn't beat out Levi, but Levi is actually really good cornerback too. So maybe Dane Jackson doesn't suck. Maybe he just wasn't as good as Levi Wallace was this summer. That's a fair point. And I'll, I'll say this in regards to Levi Wallace. I don't want to sit here and say I think he's one of the better CB2s in the NFL because I would be saying that without really knowing much, if anything, about most of the CB2s around the league. So sure. I really... To sit here and compare him to, you know, the second cornerback for Dallas or the Rams or, or, you know, seven other teams, I don't know them well enough to compare. I will say this. I think he has been very, very good this year. And if he is or was the weak link of this secondary, it sure as shit ain't because he hasn't played well. It's just because you got Micah Hyde, Jordan Boyer, and Trey White as the other three guys. It's Troy Johnson, yeah, if you want to add him too as well. And then two good middle uh, linebackers right, in coverage, right? right. So, yeah, if he's the weak link of this, you know, back seven, it's right. just because of how talented everyone else is, man. The guy has played, put it this way, he's exceeded my expectations. And I remember you, especially with you, we've had many conversations about Levi Wallace. And I thought at best he was an adequate number two at yeah. best. And he's more than an adequate number two. He's played well. This year. Now, yeah. This year. This year. Yeah, absolutely this year. Put it this way. He's going to get paid. He ain't signing for one year and $1.2 this offseason. I'm going to tell you that right now. So if, right. It be, if it ain't going to be the Bills, someone is going to pay this guy more than one. He's got a real million. chance now to earn himself a paycheck. Yeah, absolutely. I'll tell you absolutely. So, I, w I mean, you sort of answered it for me anyway. So, if we're not going to levy any criticism to, to Brandon Bean for – standing pat at the trade deadline, which for the reasons you explain is perfectly understandable. They basically decided that Dane Jackson was going to be the third corner in April. Yeah. You know, they took 
to no surprise, a defensive end. And but then they came back with another defensive tackle. And then they came back with an offensive tackle in round three, which I, at the time, I did not like that. I thought that right. was puzzling because they had Dawkins and Daryl Williams. Great pick that turned out to be. But then now they we need them. They have a shit. But, uh, you know, then they came back with another offensive tackle. Basically, what I'm saying is they literally ignored corner into, what, the mm-hmm. sixth round of the draft. So they, they kind of punted that. And they didn't sign any veteran free agents, which right. over the last couple of years, they've done that. They've had Josh Norman. They've had Gaines. They've had, although he quit, but Vontae Davis, you know, they, they have signed cornerback veterans to, for depth. They did not do that this year. So are, are you surprised? It's easy now to be an armchair quarterback because Trey White said, you know, unfortunately went down. Um. And also, too, you put something out on Twitter. And I never saw what you said. You had a tweet earlier in the week that said, if you can rank, and I'm paraphrasing a little bit, but 1 to 10, your competence level in Dane Jackson is a CB2. I'll give you my take. But before that, what was yours? Like, what's your competence level? I'm going to pose that question to you. Between a 1 and 10, where's your competence level with him right now? This is tough for me. Um, I'll tell you what I do like. I like Dane Jackson in this Monday night matchup against New England because uh, one thing that Dane Jackson is actually really good at is run support. The guy's a hell of a tackler. And that's actually probably the flaw in Trey White's game. Trey White, not a great tackler. And I think against the team like New England where they're, you know, Mac Jones is a Trent Edwards type where he's getting the ball out and relying on yards after catch. You need good tackling and obviously they're a good run team. So you need good run support. So I feel confident in him being a good fit for this particular game. Outside of that, I, for me, I, on a scale of one to ten, I think maybe I, I, at CB two, I feel like I'm at a six with him right now, uh, just a little bit above average. I think that he can be an adequate cornerback too in the NFL. I think he's got the same fl- similar type flaws that Levi Wallace has, which is a little bit of lack of athleticism uh, for the position. The thing that he has right now that Levi Wallace didn't have at this point in his career is he is aggressive at the point of attack at the ball. And he's a better tackler right now than Levi Wallace was at that point. Now Levi's gotten better at tackling in this year. I think the leap that we've seen from Levi Wallace is he's attacking the ball aggressively. So you've seen it with the interceptions. You've seen it with some of the PBUs uh, that he's been able to get. So I think he's got a little bit more of the aggression that we haven't seen out of Levi. Now he just has to refine knowing where to be. The thing that Levi, the reason Levi won that job, Levi is always where he's supposed to be. In this defense, you heard Josh McDaniels come out today. I retweeted it. Uh, Cover one retweeted it. Josh McDaniels came out. Uh, Matt Fairburn is the one that tweeted it originally saying that this Bills defense is probably the biggest test for New England so far. And the reason is, is they play as a single unit. And that is, you know, people talk about one of 11. And I know your friend Buffalo wins would scoff at all the coach speak of one of 11 and all that stuff. But it matters on the defensive side. They have a particular scheme that they run. And if everybody's where they're supposed to be in that scheme, they believe more times than not that scheme is going to beat whatever you can throw at it. As long as you're where you're supposed to be and and you're disguising coverage and getting back to where you're supposed to be, you're going to be in position to make a play. That's how they believe in this scheme. And if Dane Jackson can get that, and be at his points and then attack the ball when he has opportunities. I think he can be a pretty good cornerback too in this league. I, I do believe that. So right now for me, it's a six. We'll see. He's going to get tested. That That is where the ball is going when people put the ball in the air. And for good reason. Nobody knows who he is. You don't want to test Jordan Poirier, Micah Hyde, Tremaine Edmonds, Taron Johnson right now. You're going to try to test Dane Jackson. I would say my confidence level is a little bit lower than that. I would say it's roughly a five. And it would be lower than a five. It's lower because, and you made a fair point about Levi Wallace. All summer long, all we talked about, whether I had you on or lots of Bill's content creators, the main training camp battle, Wallace first, Dane Jackson. That was what everyone was excited to see. There were other battles, but that was the big one. And it never materialized. It never even came close to materializing. And my thought at the time was, well, Dane Jackson must really be under achieving or you know just not impressing anybody Mm -hmm. but maybe it was and i'm hoping you're right maybe it was just levi just really stepped up and was playing as well i mean these coaches by the way they're not just starting to praise levi wallace today and monday they've been praising him all year and for good reason because i think he's played pretty goddamn good so maybe that i'm hoping that's why that battle never materialized because i really expected to see this knockdown drag out battle and it never happened 
Well, um, keep in mind on that battle, it was a perception that there was no battle because every time Leslie Frazier was asked about it, uh, people tried to find out is, is Levi Wallace your starting cornerback. He would say that that battle was still going on. So in the practices, I, I ran in the, I think in Leslie Frazier's mind, that was a battle and we didn't see it materialize. And I think they gave the edge to Levi in terms of seniority and continuity on the back seven because he'd been in this defense and played with those guys for a few years. So I think Levi had that edge going into it, but I think it was probably more of a battle than we thought. And I think Dane Jackson also got a little bit banged up in this preseason for a couple of weeks, which hurt his ability to be in okay. that battle. Yeah. So I think some hindsight that I think what it is, is the optics that how people felt about Levi Wallace going into training camp and that you saw that Kansas city game and we were like, Jesus, we need speed. Guys like Levi Wallace are getting burnt. This is a huge problem. He's the weak link on the defense. So everybody had this mindset that Levi sucks. We need to move on from Levi. And they just assumed, well, gosh, if Dane Jackson can't even beat this guy out, then he's no good too. And I don't think that's the case. All right. That's fair. I would say this too. What gives me confidence, and I know this is a boring Homer kind of take, but I'm going to say it. Brandon Bean's not above criticism. You know, I, no, I think he, not he's not been perfect. I think the offensive line has been sort of a mess. Yeah. And I mean, bringing back the interior offensive line was a huge mistake. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, the guy's not perfect, but when you win, you get the benefit of the doubt until mm-hmm. proven otherwise. And they felt good enough about Dane Jackson that they did not allocate any significant money to anybody in free agency at corner right. or in their draft. So that tells me that organizationally, they certainly have confidence in Dane Jackson. Now we're going to see. I would say this. The good would be, there's not a lot of great receivers in the AFC. I mean, you got Tyreek Hill. Obviously, you play the Chiefs, you know, if you play him in the In the playoffs. box. Chiefs but in the box. You know, but teams, I'm, I'm thinking of how many teams got more than one really good receiver. Now, even if, you know, forget Dane Jackson, Levi Wallace matchup because Tyreek Hill is, is don't scary like as shit. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> don't, don't like that shit at all. But aside from them, there's not a lot of teams that like have receivers in the, in the AFC that I'm horrified of if they were to meet them in the playoffs. I don't like the matchup with Charger receivers. I don't like the matchup with Bengal receivers, but there's not a lot, you know what I mean? There's not AJ Brown and Julio Jones. If they're both 100% healthy, which I don't even know if that's going to happen this year, if they were to face Tennessee, I don't know. There's just, there's not a, a, to me, there's not as many great receivers in the AFC. So I'm not that concerned, but on My, the other uh, side, now, now this is kind of a, a question that I'm asking you as a, as a football person. Okay. Because maybe some people don't look at it this way. All right. So you got Jackson and you got Levi Wallace and Dane Jackson is obviously the weak link for the time being now of this secondary, just like Levi was at one time. Do you, are you concerned or would the bills have to compensate a little too much for that? What I mean is like get, getting him more help than they, than they normally would with Levi Wallace being the CB two. you know, having to have, Jordan Poyer or Micah Hyde kind of doubling or, you know, just things like that, or having an extra linebacker kind of doubling up where he's supposed to be to give him help might expose other areas of this defense. Now that wouldn't have been an issue had Trey not gone down. I think what you're going to see Sands Trey white is some of the spots where you would like to play man coverage uh, and that teams force you to play like there's some scenarios and this is what the Bills struggled with last year right with Kansas City where a team sort of forces you into man coverage you don't have the horses uh and even last year the athleticism why the the Bills struggled with that they've been a little bit better this year I think that's where you see the impact of losing Trey is the ability to go into man coverage uh with a lot of teams I think there's some teams you can get by I think this weekend is one where if it's a third and long, I think you can feel pretty confident that you can go, you know, Nelson Aguilar and Kendrick Bourne. They're fine. They can sure. make plays on the ball, but these guys aren't world beaters necessarily. Uh, I think when you go up against the box, you're not, you don't want to get into man coverage with Mike Evans and Chris Godwin with either of these cornerbacks. So I think it's going to be game plan dependent, but I think some of those scenarios where they would rather go man because it's the smarter defense to play in a scenario, they might have to go to quarters coverage or might have to do something where they are rolling protections to make sure that Dane doesn't get beat on a double move or beat deep because of his lack of athleticism. So there's some to that. Um, But I do think that's the benefit of having a Jordan Poirier and Micah Hyde, right? Like you use that strength to your advantage that they're so such good safeties and that they can, allow you to uh, compensate for guys that maybe aren't as athletic or as good on the edges. 
because they cover so much ground and they can disguise coverage so well uh, and get to their spot. So I think that's a benefit, again, of having the best safety duo in the NFL. Pass rushers, decent this year, but I think it needs to be better down the stretch. You know, and if they're going to go far into the playoffs, I think being able to get pressure most of the time with four, occasionally blitzing, but most of the time with four, they've been okay. They've been one of the best at pressure. Yeah. It doesn't feel so. Our boy Nate, uh, after one of the games between like this team can't get any pressure at all. I disagree. They're one of the better pass rush win rate teams in the league. It's getting sacks. Sacks aren't everything. No, they're I, not. Want, I do want more. I always want more, but we see it almost weekly. Mario Addison impacting a guy, making a guy throw the ball out of bounds, making it, making it so he can't throw to the, his lane. It's there. It's got to hit home more. Every time I think he's washed up, he, he has a good game. Yeah, Addison. Above, he's a, he's a good player, he's, especially in this he's limited. Better role. than I give him credit for. I, yeah. I'll admit that. So, and Jerry yeah, like, still got some juice. Yeah, he does. I, I like Jerry Hughes. Look, yeah. the pass rush has been okay. Rousseau's fallen in the pass rush a little bit. In the pass rush, he has. I think he's played pretty well against better the run. I, I yeah. know. I even even a dummy like me noticed that last week. Yep. I'm like, he's setting the edge of well. He's playing good yep. against the rush. Which you know that's another conversation for another time because you start thinking about Rousseau. That Owa, who was the next pick, he looks really good with Baltimore yeah. and. Uh, yeah. Well, Jalen Phillips was picked ahead of him, so there wasn't much they could do. But this has turned out to look like a pretty good defensive end rookie class. Yeah. A uh, couple other things. I mean, How about the big, Ed, the Ed Oliver, if we're talking about pressures? How about Ed? He should be an all, well, I was almost said all pro. He, he could be a pro bowler this year. He won't because he doesn't have the box score. Right, he doesn't have the numbers. But this dude, man, I think there was a lot of anxiety amongst Bills fans because of where he was picked and the comps to Aaron Donald that he has to come and be this world beater wrecker. And he wasn't. And now he he really he's not getting the stats like Aaron Donald. But, dude, when you flash on the tape, this guy is blowing things up on, on the interior offensive line. It's really fun to watch. I think. The front of that defense starts with Ed Oliver, and that's pretty cool. You know what my favorite thing about Ed Oliver right now is? If there's one silver lining from Star Little being out with COVID, it's that I heard a lot of people say, well, you know, Oliver's only better because Star's in there. Well, Star's been out the last two games, and I think Ed Oliver's been the best player on the defense the last two weeks between the Saints. And he might have been like one of the few guys to even show up for that Colts game. I I was pissed in that Saints game that they didn't give him a turkey leg. At the end of the game. Yeah, I know everybody I loves offense, it. but... I tweeted about it. Dude, Ed Oliver crushed that whole game. Jordan Boyer came and stole that bite of the turkey. I'm like, where's Ed Oliver's egg? He, or mm-hmm. like, he absolutely <laughs> deserved that. Now, big news this week. Star, Star is back. Spencer Brown yes. is back. They're off Much. COVID. Obviously, that is very good news for the Feliciano at back at practice. Which is funny because I'm not a big John Feliciano yeah, guy. I but after care. seeing Cody Ford and Ike Bacher these last handful of weeks, John Feliciano is actually a welcome sight for me. So, I, you I know, don't, I don't know, know if he's going to be able to play yet, though. Greg and I go back and forth on this because uh, he knows how much I don't like John Feliciano. I don't know if John Feliciano, like for me, him and Bacher, it's a coin flip. I think Bacher might be a little bit better of a pass blocker, which mm-hmm. I care more about. I, I That big, expensive yeah. dude that's dropping back to pass, that's the only thing in the world I care about is keep that guy clean. Um, but I don't even, even if he is a better pass blocker, it's not by much. These guys are both. Uh, rotational interior lineman league wide. Yeah, Spencer Brown's a big one. He makes yeah. right tackle better, and Daryl Williams is and right guard. Yeah. What the hell happened to Daryl Williams? By the way, who by the way has played okay? He's played pretty decent at guard this year, guard. but yeah. he has been every bit to me. And again, I don't have analytics, and I don't know how to grade, and I'm not a film guru. But Daryl Williams has sucked at right tackle this year, dude. He's been every yeah. bit as bad to me at right tackle as Cody Ford or Bacher has been on the inside, or Feliciano for that matter as well. I mean, Deion Dawkins has struggled too. I want to see more consistency from Deion. Deion's been inconsistent. Darren Williams has just been bad you at want- right tackle. What happened in one year? He earned his paycheck playing right yeah. tackle last year. I have a little bit of a theory to this, and I, I, I'm i not an offensive line guru. Offensive line, in my opinion, is the hardest thing to watch and grade and do. Brandon Thorne on Twitter is great at it. Uh, Russell Brown, a guy on cover one, he does a lot of the draft work. He's yeah, great he's at good. Eric, Eric's pretty good with uh, offensive line too. For me, I don't understand it. I don't understand offensive line play, so it's hard. But my theory on this is, uh, Deion Dawkins talked about this when he was able to play next to Richie Incognito and talking about that who you play next to matters. And I do think that that's true. I think that you see a dip in production when uh, it's Cody Ford next to 
uh, Daryl Williams and Ike Bakker or John Feliciano next to Deion Dawkins. I think that that does matter. And we see it in Mitch Morse. You look at the PFF grades for Mitch Morse. They look terrible, but I don't think Mitch Morse looks terrible. It's he's making up for these two not really good guys playing next to him. I think the offensive line, it matters who you play next to. Uh, I don't know if that has everything to do with the dip and play at the tackles, but I think it might have something to do with it. A couple other things too. Isaiah McKenzie last week got benched. That mm-hmm. scratch, healthy scratch for Marquez Stevenson. Also, Vernon Butler was a healthy scratch as well. He's been scratched before, so that wasn't like really shocking. Sure, yeah. He should kind be. of surprising about Isaiah. Now, it doesn't mean quite maybe so much on the field, and it didn't really mean anything at all in, in the Saints game anyway. Right. But do you feel like that was McDermott sending a message to this team? Absolutely. You know, based on... Uh, I, I have a friend who... He had a fair point, and he said something along the lines of this team's too happy. They're they're not serious enough. And I know that kind of on the surface kind of sounds stupid, but like too much funny games. Like this was a, this last week, the Saints have felt more much more business like. Like I don't. Right. I'm not saying Isaiah McKenzie's a goofball. Don't get me wrong. And I know the fumble had a lot to do with what ultimately happened. But anyway, were you surprised that happened? And obviously, I mean, you agree. It was definitely a, a message to the team from Sean McDermott, right? Yeah, no, I think, uh, I mean, Zach Moss going to the bench too. He was a scratch. Um, Butler and McKenzie, I think that was absolutely a, hey, we're on notice now. The time for games is over. We backed ourselves into a corner. The room for error is very small now. Um, and I think that was sending a message to everyone on the team that like the, these types of things can't go on. Now, one thing I want to address, the Isaiah McKenzie thing, it wasn't a one-play thing. I saw a lot of people talking like, oh, how I can't believe they benched him over one fumble. This has been going on, and I had a lot of people tell me, you know, because it's we live in the moment, right? And so, like, McKenzie will have a big play or a game where he gets a couple big returns. Everyone's like, dude, the return game's fine. We got Isaiah McKenzie. so explosive. But he has made mistakes all year long. That Washington game, that kickoff, forgetting the rules of kickoff and letting a ball bounce. Like, dude, you're that's uh, totally unacceptable. And the sure. only reason that was in big play is Kumro recovered it. Otherwise, we'd be still talking about that one. Uh, he, a number of times, didn't come up and aggressively attack the ball to, to secure it, allowing balls to bounce fair catching when he had 10, 15 yards free. Like there's been a number of mistakes and this isn't some dude that's like a two, three year guy in the league. That's trying to figure it out this guy. He's like 27 years old. He's been in the league for four or five years. Like mm-hmm. this is who he is. Like he's told us who he is. He had a chance to change that narrative this year and he's only increased it. And, and a couple weeks ago before that fumble, I was already concerned every time the ball went in the air. I was like, oh, man, I don't know what Isaiah McKenzie we're going to get. It's either going to be a great return or it's going to turn into something bad. And I think in that Colts game, you started to see teams were willing to kick, to, like as, as explosive as he is, if he was that good, teams wouldn't allow them to kick to him. I think right. teams were kicking to him because they know like, hey, this guy is probably could mess up. As just as much as he could take one to the house, he could drop this thing and it could be a big play for us. That would I noticed that too. It was strategic. I saw I noticed in the Saints game, I don't remember the returner for the Saints, but the Bill Tyler Baskett kicked the ball through the end zone most of the time. Yeah. Especially in a dome. He kept re- kicking the ball up to the Saints and letting them return it. Try it. it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, a little bit short. Um, do you think that was a one week message or do you think now like Stevenson's in this lineup to stay for the foreseeable future? Like come Monday night you think Isaiah is going to be another healthy scratch? Yeah, I mean, so McKenzie took to Twitter and then deleted it and saying he was out for the year. Yeah. And that he was benched for the year. And I believe him when he said that. I think that, uh, th- dude, there's a lot. Like, I like Sean McDermott a lot. And uh, I think he's a, a perfect fit for building the culture and all that stuff. He's not a guy I want to be on his shit list. Of. Like, which Greg and I talk about it all the time on these bad games, that Jacksonville game. Like, I don't want, I wouldn't want to show up to work and get in the film room with Sean McDermott after a game like that. Like he's so detail oriented and all about, you know, growth mindset and getting better that I wouldn't want to be on the other end of a Sean McDermott rampage. And so I, I, I mean, unless Stevenson really messes up, this one's going to be a tough week with New England. New England's a really good special teams team, really well coached. And you have a rookie who doesn't have a lot of experience who did have a bit of a muff last game he made a mistake put the mm-hmm. ball on the ground 
how does New England attack that? Like, I that will, this might be one, but I think if if it's definitely Stevenson rolling out there, I don't think we see Mike McKenzie again for the rest of the year, unless Stevenson just really just vomits all over himself. Whatever happens, God, I just hope that this game doesn't come down to special teams. Oh my God, I don't want it to come down to special teams. That will concern me. One more thing, Bill's thing. It's not really a question for you. It's just something I got to note, though. Dawson Knox has played really well this year. Seven touchdowns now, franchise record for tight ends. He's already got 31 catches, 415 yards. You know, if Brandon Bean, we were talking about, or at least I was posting the question to you, if he deserves criticism for some things. One thing he deserves a lot of praise for is not coming in the pressure to, to make a deal and spend big money on a tight end. This organization was definitely patient with Dawson Knox, a lot more than a lot of fans and, you know, maybe at times myself were. And they're being rewarded for it because I think he's been... I think he's turning, forget the numbers. I think he's turning into a legitimate asset for this offense. I really like what I'm seeing from him this entire year. Yeah, I mean, people that haven't listened to me before are probably going to think I'm some smug asshole that just sits around and takes victory laps on all the players I was right about. But dude, <laughs> I was on this podcast. I know this summer, this offseason, I was on this podcast telling mm-hmm. you that I didn't need any other tight ends, that that uh, uh, Dawson Knox was a tight end one in the making. He was right there. He was showing all the signs. And again, similar to Levi Wallace, he's exceeded my what I thought we would get out of him. And I think that he is a legitimate weapon in this offense that Josh Allen looks to and that I want to see, you know, everybody's talking about feed digs and uh, that's a narrative that I don't even believe is true. I think they're totally feeding Stefan Diggs like a true number one wide receiver. I want to see finding ways to get Dawson Knox the ball more. I think he's the best yards after catch target that the bills have right now. I think he's got uh, a vertical aspect to his game where he can stretch the seam like this guy and he's his blocking is awesome. Watch his block and this guy can get in there and, and block with people. So I do think, I think he's solidified himself as a true tight end one. I think maybe the only criticism would be you let Hollister go. I don't know that there's a good tight end two option on this team. I'm not sold on Sweeney. Uh, so the depth of tight end could be upgraded, but uh, this is the thing, man, Ed Oliver, Tremaine Edmonds, Dawson Knox, like, we see players around the league that come in and immediately have the impact that they were drafted to have. But more times than not, it takes time to develop into an NFL star player, especially a position like tight end. And we just need to give these guys time. It's hard because we want everything now. People play Madden and they just throw their players in and they're good. We want that to happen, but it does take time. And Dawson Knox is right on the timeline for where you a raw tight end with no experience really playing the position freak athleticism he's right on that timeline of where he should be at this point in his career and you're starting to see the fruits of that patience by brandon bean and his staff pay off in a big way right now i I really like him i still wish he'd be a little bit more consistent with the hands but you know what sometimes you just look players have flaws they have warts they all do and it's just something we're gonna have to live with but with every all the positive things he's doing it far outweighs or far outweighs uh some of the mistakes he still makes um two things around the nfl and then i'm gonna get you out of here Number one, so I'm, Sunday night I'm watching the Browns Ravens, and oh, obviously from as a, I know I know, and I watched the entire <laughs> freaking game. All right, man, <laughs> and it was ugly. Okay, it was really ugly. Lamar Jackson threw it, which is kind of leading to my point. So Lamar Jackson, bro, you know he makes great plays, but he had two four interceptions. He wasn't even the worst quarterback on the field that night. No. Four interceptions, and he's still not even the worst quarterback on the field that night. Baker Mayfield, man. And obviously, as, as the Bills fan and me, I wanted Cleveland to beat Baltimore because it would have benefited the Buffalo Bills. Baker Mayfield. If Look, thank God for Josh Allen. You know, you if you want to make an argument that he's not playing quite as good as last year, I personally don't necessarily agree with it. But if, if you want to make that argument, it's certainly something we could discuss. But be thankful that you have Josh Allen in Buffalo, folks, because... I look at Baker Mayfield in Cleveland, and now in fairness, the dude's banged up. Okay, I, I'm going to give him that. He is yep. banged up, okay? But he's never lacked an offensive line. He's never lacked pass catchers. He's got two of the oh, best defense. running backs. I would kill for either of those running backs to oh, be a man. Buffalo Bill, Chubb or Kareem Hunt. Hell, Dernis Johnson, for that matter, their third running back. I'd love to see him be a Buffalo Bill. This team's got a lot of weapons, and this guy stinks, man. He's just not good. Is Baker Mayfield to you, and I'm not going to, you know, ask you to go through him. At this, is Baker Mayfield even a top 15 quarterback? I thought about it. I'm going to run off 12 names to you, Aaron, and I don't even really think these are a debate. 
So Josh Allen, Mahomes, Herbert, Lamar Jackson, Joey Burrow, Dak Prescott, Kyler Murray, Stafford, Russell Wilson, even run down, look and wash up lately, Russell Wilson, Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady, Derek Carr. I don't even think there's a question. All those quarterbacks are definitely better than Maker Mayfield, right? That's 12 right there. That's 12 right there. And then you got probably better Tannehill, maybe still. I think Tannehill's definitely better. Yeah, all right. Well, then you, there you go. Right right off the bat, that's 13 right there. And then you got that category of, eh, you know, we could debate like uh, a Carson Wentz or Kirk Cousins or Matt Ryan at this point of his career. You know what I mean? And then there's guys who are still a little too early, like Mac Jones, Trevor Lawrence, you know, guys like this. This guy is not a top half of the NFL quarterback right now. And if you're the Cleveland Browns and you got all this money invested in talent around the field, do they even give him a fifth year, let alone try to sign him to a long-term extension? It's t- This might be a Mitch Trubisky-type situation, right? Sure. Early draft pick. I think the Bears invested a lot around Trubisky to try to make him the guy, maybe not as much at the wide receiver position as Baker Mayfield's been able to have. The, th- the thing that's the weirdest about Baker, and we knew it, and uh, I hate to say Colin Coward was right about anything, but it's the attitude, dude. Like, e- even to this day where, you know, fans were booing him, rightfully, the fans were booing that offense, and he comes out in the media and he's like, oh, those stupid fans, like the stupid fans that don't even know how to cheer. Like, he just sounds like a like a petulant child. Like, he just... He doesn't have what it takes to be, in my opinion, a leader of an NFL franchise. Like, players, players' fathers are going at him. Multiple, yeah, dude. Multiple. Yeah, dude. That's not. It's not good. And when you have your wife coming to defend you on on social media, like none of this is good. Uh, yeah, I think he's running up his course in Cleveland. When he got hurt and Case Keenum came in to replace him, my first thought was shit. That's not like a big drop off to Case Keenum. Like I think he's basically case Keenum. Like, I, I don't think that that's a far stretch to say that he's a probably low tier NFL starter. I think he's down there with the Fitzpatrick's and Tyrods of the world mm-hmm. in terms of uh, it, maybe if the situation's exactly right and he's healthy, you can win with him. I don't think you can win because of Baker Mayfield. And we, we've seen on display when the running backs are hurt, this team is atrocious on our, they, they struggle to move the ball. So it's surprising to me because I was really high on Mayfield during that draft process. Like he has all the, that accuracy and the, you saw him with the ability to move the ball, but it has not translated so far into the NFL. I do think the injury has something to do with his lack of production this year, but I don't, I don't know. He, the injury might be something, but there's, there's something broken in terms of this guy's not fit to be a leader of an NFL franchise. And people can say all they want about the cliches of football and the coach speak of football. And, you know, Josh Allen ha- comes off as that, oh, shucks, oh, golly kind of guy. But, like, it matters what kind of leader you have as the face of your franchise. And, and when t- times get tough, who is that person? And Baker Mayfield, to me, has exposed himself as a very immature, not ready to lead an NFL organization as the number one guy. I agree. And look, he's had four years and I don't think Cleveland's really, they're too talented to be where they're at that, you know, they like last year they were 11 and five. All right. But three lose or two losing seasons. And there are only six and five right now. I could see this being an off season where they move on from him. Whether it's one of the guys you just mentioned, Mr. Risky, who knows, you know, he's going to be a free agent. Maybe that turns out to be an opportunity for him. Or they trade Garoppolo. for like a, I just thought of that, Jimmy Garoppolo. That could be a really good fit as well. I think these guys, that team's too good to only be six and five. And I injuries or not, I just, I'm not a Baker Mayfield guy. And it just bothers me. Last thing here. So <laughs> they have seen the NFC. If you sat here and told me, I'm confident the Bills are going to the Super Bowl, I'd say you're full of shit. If you told me the Ravens, I'd say you're full of shit. The Chiefs, full of shit. I don't think there's any one team head and shoulders above anyone else. Right. So what I want to ask you this, certainly for the AFC, and maybe if you can, if you if you could come up with one for the NFC, and I couldn't, I'm gonna tell you that straight up, because I thought on this. Name me a team right now that you think is in the AFC conference that is kind of like going under the radar. A team that you know everyone saw about top seeds or you know teams going to the Super Bowl. A team that people are sleeping on that maybe they shouldn't be sleeping on. Can you think of a team? Because I got one. Sleeping on, that's tough. I don't know that. So, Indy, but I don't know that they're being slept on. But I think Indy's a lot better than 
they're not being talked about in that conversation of teams that could go on a run and be a top team. Their record looks bad because of where they started this year. They had a tough loss this past weekend to the Bucs. That was a good game, man. Tom Brady did a Tom Brady thing. It was, fun and it, it was a fun game. And they still, that return at the end, they still had a chance like yeah. with no almost no time left. Carson Wentz, man, I think Twitter unjustly buried Carson Wentz after a terrible year in Philly. That offensive line that they put out in Philly should have been, it's almost criminal what they put him behind in Philly a year ago. Now he regressed. Absolutely. Like his mechanics went to shit. He had a terrible season, but I think people just wanted to write him off as this guy sucks. He's no good. And when they, when, uh, so the bills, in my opinion, should have never won that game against the Colts in the playoffs. I believe the Colts won that game by every single measure in the playoffs. They dominated the bills in the trenches. They, they had the bills up against the wall. If it wasn't for, after Pittman didn't get that two-point conversion or that that fourth down play on the goal line, they didn't convert that. Josh makes a couple passes. That's the game, the, the Gabe Davis drive. That's the change of that game. Otherwise, the Bills don't deserve to win that football game. They go and get Carson Wentz. In my opinion, I was like, I don't know how much worse he is than an old Phillip Rivers. Like, I think this team could still be a real good team if they he get He plays clicking, well against man. the Bills, man. Played well against the Bills, and he doesn't have to be. It doesn't have to be gaudy. He didn't play great against the Bills. He was just efficient. Like he just got, kept the ball moving. And so I think they're a team. I don't want to meet them in the playoffs. I don't want to see Jonathan Taylor in that offensive line in the playoffs. That defense is solid. I want nothing to do with them. Well coached. So maybe I don't know if they're a sleeper. And then the other team is, it's if they get clicking and they live and die by their quarterback. But the Chargers, they have the talent to do something special. They just can't seem to click it all right. together with any type of consistency. And if Herbert's playing poorly, that whole team plays poorly. If he's playing well, they can play with anybody in the league. So if he gets gone, it's all about getting hot at the right time. If they can get hot at the right time, maybe, but that division's all everyone in their divisions, like six wins, right? Like they're, they're stuck. They might, they drop one more game. That might be it for him, but uh, those would be my sleepers in the AFC. Uh, let me say this. I, I think there's, Here's the team. There's four teams in the AFC that I think nationally are talked about plenty enough that they're not sleepers. Obviously, Buffalo's one of them. I would say New England at this point. They're not a I sleeper think New anymore. England, yeah. no. New England's right up there. I mean, <laughs> try turning ESPN on for more than 10 minutes in the morning and not hearing about the New England Patriots. Obviously, the Kansas City Chiefs. And then the Baltimore Ravens with Lamar Jackson. And plus, they have currently have the best record in the conference. I'm going to throw a team out at you that I think is a sleeper. The Cincinnati Bengals. How about the Cincinnati Bengals? All right, so listen, they're seven and four. They've they killed Pittsburgh on Sunday, which maybe that's not that big of a deal. Okay, they beat the Raiders. They smacked the shit out of the Baltimore Ravens in Baltimore. They lost in overtime to Green Bay, and they should have beat the Packers. Mm -hmm. So they've played a lot of good teams, and they've had a lot of good results against good teams. Now they lost to the Bears. And they lost to the Jets. Guess what? The Bills lost to the Jaguars. I mean, we could do this all day. Going yeah, everybody has a bad team. They said they've had bad games. They lost to Chicago yeah. and New York teams that they should not have lost to. But they had all the talent in the world on offense. Joey Burrow's a good quarterback. He's not quite elite yet, but he's good. He's, he's right there, though. He's on he's the line. He's close. Joe Mix is one of the best running backs in the NFL. Chase is probably the best rookie receiver in the NFL. He might, he's one of the best receivers right now in the NFL. Right. T. Higgins, Tyler Boyd, that tight end, Azuma. They got they got good weapons. The mm -hmm. offensive line's been good enough, and the defense isn't. Trey Hendrickson's got ten sacks this year. You mm -hmm. know, I I thought last year with the Saints, I was like, this guy's going to get so much money and not play well. Goes to the Bengals, they throw money at him. Ten sacks, dude. He's living up to his, his money right now. Sam Hubbard, dude, I barely even heard of. Him. He's got seven sacks. <laughs> BJ Hill's been a good defensive tackle. I mean, the secondary's kind of whack. That's probably the weakness of their team. Now, they played the Ravens at home the day after Christmas. They already beat them in Baltimore. They're only one game back. They beat Baltimore at home. They won that division. They might end up, shit, man, they might end up the one or two seed. I, I don't think anyone's even talking about the Bengals. I think they're a very dangerous team. Now, maybe because they have no track record, no history of, of winning when it matters. Maybe that's why people are sleeping on them, and that's understandable. But they're a dangerous football team, man. Don't they you are. Think? I, well, I think what happened too was they started out hot and were the one seed for a minute, weren't they? Were they, they were like so. one or two seed for a minute and then had a couple weeks where they dropped down and then they went down to like the seventh seed. And so I think people just forgot about them. 
that it, that AFC North is just beating up on each other too. Yeah. And that's part of the problem. They're, they're jockeying for position over there in the North, but yeah, no, I can see that being a, uh, out of nowhere sleeper. The problem is come playoff time, they have no playoff experience. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's going to hinder them. Um, where some of these other teams we're talking about have been there and have some playoff experience. So that it might not be their year this year, but I would put them right there with the chargers. I think that if they get, hot and stay hot at the right time that I don't want to face an offense like that. Yeah. You kind of feel like maybe they could be like the 2019 bills where sure they have a good year they make the playoffs, the lack of experience and they, and they play well for a half in Houston. I'm talking about the bills. Of course, right. Yeah. 19, and then things kind of, you know, fall apart at the end. Anyway. All right. This was fun, man. This was fun. I got a lot of work to do with Christmas movies and I'm dead serious, by the way, I'm going to get you on again before Christmas. Let's do and, it. And I want to spend most of the time, if not all the time talking Christmas movies. I'll let people know ahead of time. It'll be fun, man. Also, and- we're also getting ready to talk some bills playoff football and the season hasn't totally derailed. Yeah. Well, there's a big, <laughs> you know, what's funny, dude, we're, we're getting out of here now. What a big game. This is on Monday. Big game. What a big football game in think- December. Bills New England Monday night. Biggest NFL game of the year so far? Yeah. Maybe? Yeah, I think so. It's certainly the game of the week. And the wait for Monday night, which is, by the way, the way it should be. I think the best game of the week, either Sunday night or Monday night, that's always good, man. Always good. I don't like primetime games. I've made that very well known. But this one I'm excited about. Yeah. Me too, man. All right, everyone. Give Aaron a follow on Twitter at AaronQuinn716. Force check out his podcast, him, Greg Thompson. My guys, man, they do such amazing work, man. Thanks as always, brother. Talk soon. Thank you, man.